0: Welcome to another episode of the Resolve podcast. Today I'm with Barbie Liss. Barbie, happy Friday.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Yay. Really cool. Just note on what could be positive about networking. So I kind of look at it as like a fun game or adventure sometimes because you meet one person and usually at the end of a conversation, I say to somebody that I met that I was introduced to, oh, if there's anybody else you know let me know like that would be so fun to who else can i speak to and how else connect with without overwhelming myself it's a different discussion you don't need to take every meeting but you meet one person and then they take you to another person They take you to another person so i got connected to barbie through that and we've had some good conversations and there's a lot that i would love to learn and for everyone listening to learn from barbie so thank you so much for coming on
1: thank you for having me
0: so let's get started tell us a little bit about yourself
1: Yeah, I am a life coach, uh, an empowerment coach for women, I call myself the anti anti aging coach, I guide women to shed shame that's associated with aging and walk through life chapters empowered and resilient and filled with self love and really my journey um, is rooted in my own healing path from about five years ago when I went through my own journey of secondary trauma and it all rolled forward into exactly where I am today.
0: So, a lot of different hats you're wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't even mention, I mean, of course, you're also a mother and all, all sorts of. I
1: am a mother of three amazing children and one gorgeous daughter in law. Yes. Thank you. Yes.
0: Am- amazing. So, tell us a little bit about the particular. There's a particular topic that we're going to be talking about today called restorative justice, which is a very fascinating and important, timely and relevant topic in our world. And I just can you give us a little bit of the backstory of how we even got to us having this conversation about restorative justice? How has that what happened? Tell us a little bit about your story.
1: I, I thank you. Yes. And I will if I if I probably should preface a little bit with just a small description or explanation of what restorative justice is, because many have not even heard of restorative justice so really what restorative justice is is an alternative to our to the punitive system as we know it it's a method of healing that brings together healing and justice that that focuses on repair, rather than punishment as we know our system to be, it focuses on the person who's harmed, and the person who caused harm and it honors that there's a ripple effect in each one of those people's community. And it brings both those communities and the two key people, the heart one harmed and the one who caused, into a setting where they can resolve through conversation, through healing, through compassion and empathy and sharing story, as opposed to the punitive system that we know. I was introduced to punitive, to, well, both, <laughs> the punitive system and restorative justice through my, my journey th- with my daughter so at the end of the summer of 2016 my daughter was sexually assaulted raped by a man that she didn't know was a stranger and you know there was a a whole year of intensive healing on on her end and on my end where i learned a lot about secondary trauma and you know supporting somebody while you're sort of sinking at the same time but you know i knew that i i couldn't go down or we both would To come back to the restorative justice piece we did go through the preliminary trial so she did report the crime and at the time you're asked do you want to report or not report when you go to the police and you know really there's a third option just nobody nobody really knows that they should know it but they they don't know it or they know it and they don't tell you hard to know Um, we did go through the whole preliminary trial thing it was a full year after after the rape, and there had been a lot of healing along the way. And truly, as I'm sure you've heard, the punitive system as we know it is highly re-traumatizing. We had had spent a whole year getting as far as we got, and that trial was really re-traumatizing. It's not there's no compassion to the survivor. She was put on the stand for five hours while they tried to rip apart her story and, you know, victim blaming and all the stories that you hear are true. Um, there was enough evidence to go to trial. And and following the prelim trial, and it took us a few weeks to get back to where we were on a healing level. And, and it was, you know, she didn't know if she had the strength or energy to go through it. And, you know, it's very against everything it's very dehumanizing rather than you know building back that humanity and she kept saying i just i just want to i just want him to look me in the eye and tell me how he could do such a thing to another human right like really seeking accountability and remorse and you know, after like jumping ahead a little bit, we did do a survey and we did do a lot of research on restorative justice. And it turns out that most survivors really want that. They want accountability. They want, they want to see remorse. They wanna hear, you know, where that came from. And I, I give example to that in anybody's daily life when you've had an argument with anybody in your life. And the minute that you feel that you're heard your healing begins. There's like this internal sigh that happens, you know, when you feel heard, your healing begins. And in our punitive system, there's no no space for anybody to be heard, not just the one who was harmed, but even for the one who caused harm, they have no opportunity to be heard either. So she had said that to a few people. I just, that's what her desire was to just have them look her in the eye and explain. And somebody said to her one day, so make it happen you know we're not we're not taught to challenge the system that we know you know and and uh, you know my my little warrior child <laughs> decided to take on the system and found a lawyer who was going to help her we learned about restorative justice through this never heard of it before but restorative justice seemed to be i say now i think i was born a tiny advocate for restorative justice i just never knew it was a thing right <laughs> Um, When I look back at my own childhood and the punishment style that our parents gave in those days and like nothing ever resonated with me and and no no solution ever came from it. No change ever came from it, you know? A restorative justice opportunity, I'll call it, is, is the exact opposite of what we know in our punitive system. So because hers was the she was the first case in North America to as for sexual assault case in North America to use restorative justice as a conclusion because she was the first it's very preliminary like you you know with restorative justice you can almost create this how you want to create it the, the purpose is healing the purpose is restorative the purpose is change and and transformation so whoever the survivor or victim whatever your story is you have a voice it was her choice how this was to look people ask me how I felt about that I was all about it first of all it's what she wanted so that was that was it anyway but she and I see very eye to eye on that and so for us the circle looked like um, each of them she and the men who had assaulted her were invited to bring in whoever they wanted with them in the circle, people who had been impacted also by the crime. So Marley brought in her, her older sister, my oldest daughter. Um, she brought myself and she brought the two lawyers that helped her make this happen. And he brought a friend, um, you know, my, my oldest. So what it looked like was we sat in a circle. They had met with each of us individually the day before. They told us what to expect of what was coming. They had said to me, we want you to speak from a place of I. Don't go into that circle and say, this is what you did to my daughter. This is what you did to my daughter. Go into that circle and say, this is what you did to me. This is how my life changed because of what you did, right? It's. They said to me, it's very powerful to hear the mother's voice. And a lot of young men are very close to their mothers. Like when you think you've hurt, the mother that hurts right you you realize how far you've gone and um so we went in that day and we sat in a circle and and I'll be honest I walked in that room that day and he walked in that room that day and I thought I'm gonna be sick (laughs) like I can't right and my and I'm holding my daughter up because I didn't know how she was gonna do it and they sat us in this circle with a seating plan which I didn't love at first but in hindsight was brilliant um, and they had a talking piece, so they led us with one question, which was, "What brings you here today?" And they told us that we wouldn't leave the, like we wouldn't conclude the circle or close the circle until everybody felt complete. We ended up there for eight hours. We went around the circle three times. My oldest daughter was the first to speak. You're handed a talking piece, and nobody else is allowed to talk he was the last one to speak. So he had to sit and listen to all of us first, what brought us here. And I remember forever, my oldest daughter led in with, she lives in British Columbia and she said, except for my mom and my sister, I don't know any of you in this room and you've all changed my life, right? Like the day she was raped changed my life, a hundred percent changed my life. The day of our circle changed my life again, because to go around that circle and to get out everything that was inside for three years, right? This was now three years post-rape. He had been mandated, I should throw in, he had been mandated to therapy. And our circle wasn't going to happen until his therapist felt he was ready. Okay, so it's now three years post-assault and he's gone through an extensive amount of, of therapy So, you know, we went around three times, we shared everything. Like, honestly, I call it soul vomit that first time around. Like it was everything that was in. And many times, you know, he would look at me when she was talking and he, you know, there was, she received what she wanted. He did look her in the eye. He did take accountability. He did. It was truly the most healing experience Of my life on so many levels on so many levels it was healing from a place of what had happened to my daughter in that you know and it was also healing in a in a whole other way for myself as well and that I got everything out that I needed to get out but it also validated for me so many beliefs and values that I have carried with me for all of my years since childhood where I've been told I'm naive and I've been told that I'm, I don't understand. And I've thought I'm, I'm not naive and understand. We can heal through love and compassion. This whole punishment thing doesn't work for me. Right. I didn't offer it in when my kids were little, the way I was offered it as a kid. And I, you know, I look at our punitive system, which continues to perpetuate the exact same cycles again and again and again, and nothing changes there's no transformation if he had gone to trial if we had gone to trial and if he had been charged which seldom happens but if he had been and he'd been put away for a little while what happens you sit there you get angrier you don't get help you don't get therapy nothing changes you come out you can't get a job you can't make your life you get it gets worse and you do again and it re- it just repeats in our circle in this restorative approach where he had to go for therapy therapy first we sat in circles together this this man is now going to make change this man is now a different human this man is now going to go on to offer a different message forward a better message forward maybe become a father one day and raise beautiful sons and you know like we we created change and you know the second time around in our circle was very much about so now what you know my daughter said to him you're not in jail what are you going to do with this you know we've been given a chance she she and I walked out of there and knew that our lives had changed that we were here for we found purpose in that circle (laughs) and we've both gone on to advocate and speak for this often and I think that If we want to see change happen, if we want to see healing happen, things have to change. Everyone has a story. You know, he has a story. I don't think anybody is born a bad person. You know, nobody's born a rapist, right? Nobody's born a bad seed. Life happens. And, you know, what happened to him between being born and and assaulting my child? Right. And, you know, the conversation of forgiveness, I'm I'm questioned a lot on how can you forgive? How can you, you know, he didn't get what he deserved. And like these are messages we're taught, an eye for an eye, you know. And I think, did he get what he deserved? What he deserved healing. That's what I think. He deserved to heal whatever story it was that led him to do such a thing. Do I forgive him? I hold great compassion and I forgive the human for the story that led him there. I don't forgive the action. I'll never forgive the action. I can't forgive the action, but I forgive the human and I hope healing for him. And I hold compassion to his story and I honor that he put in the effort to become a better person. And now we've made change. Now we've made change instead of continuing the same cycle that would have happened or nothing that would have happened, had we gone our typical punitive route.
0: What was the most important part of that? When, when you think back to this, I mean, you've probably told this story so many times, what's the memory that stands out of all the experiences that you had there that really sums up everything that you just said about this
1: in the circle itself. Yeah. Oh, if I could choose one thing, I, I I think to witness everybody's responses in that room. There's not one of us. There were seven of us in the circle. Not one of us isn't a changed person today. The friend that he brought was, a, was very impactful to all of us who, who said he was a military child. His dad was in the military. He was taught, you know, that boys don't cry, stand up strong, you know, whatever. He, he sobbed for the first five minutes while he held the hawking talking stick. And we waited cause we weren't, it was his, space he sobbed we handed him Kleenex and he said he sobbed because he would never have believed that something of this extreme situation could be healed in this kind of a way with compassion nobody was angry there was compassion and empathy and space held and to be able to get out what you need to get out is incredibly hearing, healing. I remember saying at some point that I want to live in a world where I'm not the crazy one to believe that this is how we heal. Right. And I think we have absolute tangible proof in a really extreme, ugly moment of society that humans can do better, that we can heal if we, Hold each other with empathy and compassion and caring.
0: But w- when you're saying this, uh, I think more for me, what comes up, I'm I'm sort of f- sensing how, or not sensing, but looking into how I'm responding in my in my brain about this conversation. And mm-hmm. there are two things happening. One is, wow, that model of being able to everybody to speak their mind and heart, and nobody gets to say. It's not when manipul- the problem with the choreograph choreography of cases and trials is that it's you're paying a lawyer and the lawyer is looking for either side to build the story. It's not taking into account the moment to moment experience and the reaction and the after it's not taking into account a lot of that. It's not listening. It's not hearing. And I'm not saying that we could that every situation could be healed in the way that res- that this conversation went. But that is something that I just think, wow, that is missing. The fact yeah. that you, uh, yeah.
1: I would say that even add on to what you're saying, that even the two people involved, the person who caused harm included yeah. and the person harmed, they don't have a say in our punitive system. They better so not I'll speak
0: because if you speak, he, it's going to implicate you or you're going to change the trial. They don't even
1: want to know it. Right. So he yeah. told us in that circle that when he first met with his lawyer, the lawyer first off before a word was said, the lawyer went like this. I don't want to hear a story. Yeah. Do what I say and I'll get you off. Yeah. What is that? It's a game. That's and for my daughter, who's literally called as a witness in this, it's not even about her. It's she's it's a about call him the witness. It's him versus the crown. And she's called in as a witness. And her story is just ripped apart yeah. and and asked very ugly questions, really, that don't matter at all. Because at the end of the day, I remember at one point um, she responded to a question that his lawyer had asked and his lawyer responded to her with, did you learn that in therapy? And I remember saying to her lawyer, to the crown that was representing her, I remember saying to her, to me, the case is closed right there because I know so many people that have had consensual sex and never needed therapy, right? If you're asking her if she went to therapy after a sexual encounter, we know something wasn't right, right? Right why are you tearing her apart like this? And he even had no opportunity, you know, for him to be able in our circle to share his story, to tell us about, you know, my daughter did say to him what happened between being a baby and, and this assault. And like, he had opportunity to share a story. He had opportunity to offer remorse and accountability and apologize and say, I, I know I did this and I I can't change that. And I hope this for you. And, and, you know, for that, for him, like, I know that if I've harmed somebody, even in a word that I've said, and I don't have a chance to, to clear that, to offer remorse, to fix that moment, it eats me up inside. Right. So every single one of us in that room found peace and healing by sharing story, by offering compassion, and by, and by creating change, like this is, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. We can't, as a society, keep running into the same wall and expecting a different outcome, right?
0: The fact that I think the main ingredient as to why that was so important to happen was because it the agenda was, so what brings you into the room? So you get to say everything and anything that you want to say and everybody has to listen and That's everybody right. has to hear it. So the people are listening and yep. the people get to speak. And th- that is sounds so off script to yeah. what we're used to in the the justice system. Right. And I just see that as being the main ingredient and we can get into forgiveness as well. But my, I guess my other response is that to me, it's justice, it's that your experience was not just about compassion and empathy. It was about justice. When I hear this, I'm not thinking, Let's all just be compassionate and empathetic to whatever people do. And it's all because of their environment or it's, all their, it's not their fault. And this is not about taking away responsibility. Mm. People need justice too. The, the fact that if there was, you know, I'm thinking like, how can this integrate into that there's some sort of accountability? Yeah. You, you know, if you're, if your family and your daughter wanted to go through a trial and have quote unquote justice and restorative justice, could that have even been a possibility? Is it an either or? How do we look at that together?
1: Mm -hmm. I love that you're bringing in the justice piece because it is restorative Justice, Justice. just trying to make justice restore something to where it should be in the first place, right? And our justice system has always been an eye for an eye. You did something bad, you're banished. You know, when you were a little kid, you did something bad, you got banished to your room. You grow up to be an adult, you do something bad, you're banished to somewhere else. And it's extremely dehumanizing, right? This brings healing and justice together. It's restorative. So what is justice to each person? I guess a little different, but I'm asking people if we're able to, to redefine what justice is. Justice doesn't have to be an eye for an eye. Justice could be, you know, people say to me, did he get what he deserved? Uh, am I ask, I'm going to ask, like, what do you think he deserved? Do you think he deserved to be punished or do you think he deserves to be healed and have a chance to become the best person he could be. Like, I think that's what he deserves. And I think that's what all of us deserves. I'm going to throw in like, this is not for everybody and it's mm-hmm. not for every case, right? right? In our case, this was perfect. You know, if you're, if you have psychopathic tendencies and you're a serial killer or a rapist, or this is probably not the best scenario, but you know, or maybe
0: you still couldn't... have to go to jail, but you still have a restorative justice component if there can be created, even if it's a minuscule way,
1: some kind of healing, some kind of therapeutic environment where the person who's caused harm can, you know, hurt people, hurt people, right? Let's, let's undo, let's find out where your wound is. Let's heal that wound. Let's give you an opportunity to turn it around to see a different way you know, when you and I talked earlier about how we can bring that into the world today, and I I call that embodied restorative justice. And I, you know, I had an interesting conversation maybe a year or so ago. I had someone reach out to me, a young mother. She said to me her child had gotten into some trouble in the playground at school. And what she wanted to know, from my opinion, was how they could best deal with this from a restorative approach. And I love that so much because our tendency is to punish our tendency is to you know I remember being a kid thinking this punishment like doesn't make sense it didn't resonate for me it never felt right something didn't make sense that I would then come out of my room and what changed everybody's just still sort of pissed off but you let it wait till it blows over but nothing's changed right so for her, for this woman, or what I used to do with my kids too, and I'd, sure, I'd send my kids off to cool down for a few minutes and then it would be more of, um, what happened there, <laughs> right? Let's talk about this. What, what could you have done differently? What can we do to fix it? What can we do next time? And let's have a conversation. Let's not just assume that punishment by banishing somebody and making them feel small is the way to get justice. Because the truth is, No one feels better by that. The person who was harmed doesn't gain anything, doesn't feel better because, you know, I didn't feel better because my brother got sent to his room. I still hurt, right? Like it didn't heal the moment. It just, right? Let's, maybe we can shift the conversation. Maybe we can change our mindset that the answer to somebody doing something wrong is by punishing them in a hard banishing kind of way. Maybe we can shift that to like, when someone does something wrong let's have a conversation on
0: that there still might be a consequence or sure a, or i'm a, not a, saying no
1: consequence a, my kids had consequences right it's you just can't, you can't play with those crayons anymore all week but we're also going to have what happened right. and
0: and and how could we do better for this next time and it's a conversation like yes. we never we need conversation coming into the picture i mean My only, I guess my only response, especially in looking at what you can really see it brightened in war, uh, because we're having we're in the middle of a war right now going on in the world. Yes, it's true that there are many times that hurt people hurt people. But it's also true, sadly, that there is there are people and there, you know, whatever Putin went through when Putin was a child. You know what? There's a time and a place for that. And there's a time and a place. To just clearly point out and say, it's not the time and the place. Absolutely. This this behavior is. I mean, maybe when justice, maybe when we get to a point. Hopefully, when this war ends, and you know, you know, Barbie can have a conversation. I don't. I don't know.
1: <laughs> but but I think like I can sit down and speak to you. Yeah. yeah Listen, dude, exactly. what were you thinking? Where'd no. that come from? Yeah. But
0: I, I think that, and I don't think it. I think the main point that you're saying that is just so. I, I just, it's it's weird to think about it. Now when it and you, you keep mentioning eye for eye, and let me clarify, I get to defend um, the Bible here for a second because that idea of the eye for eye comes directly from the Torah. But what's so interesting about the Jewish system that comes comes from, the, from Hebrew, the Jewish system there is that it was never actually meant literally as an eye for an eye, at least by the mass majority of the biblical commentators and interpreters. An eye for an eye meant compensation. If you took out somebody's eye, What's the compensation that should be given back to that person? And so that was always a combination of emotional damage, um, physical damage, an inability to work, um, it, all, at the, the time you missed, all sorts of different things mm-hmm. come into the combination. It's not you just take out their eye in this right. detached way. There's a conversation about what happened and how did that impact you? How, like, were you not able to work? What's this? And then you determine what's the best course of action. And so it's a conversation, but there's still a sense of justice, but it's a conversation. And even more important than that is that there used to be these cities of refuge. If someone, God forbid, murdered somebody, they basically went to a city of refuge and and healed for a while. There was still potentially a punishment and all sorts of things, but there was, they didn't just, (laughs) you don't just go and sit, and hide and never have any conversation or be reintegrated. There might be a period of time where you're not in normal society or something, but for what purpose? Because there's forgiveness and shuvah in Hebrew, the idea of to return. The word shuva, repentance in, in Hebrew, forgiveness, comes from the word shuv, to return. So at some point you're going to be returning, whether it's to a higher self or to society or to your community. You don't just go to somewhere and get punished for no reason. You sit in the corner and not know, what did I do? Why did I do it? Where's the sense of restoration and return?
1: And I love that you're bringing in the Jewish reference because I will tell you that in, in addition to some Mennonite cultures and some some other indigenous cultures that restorative justice is rooted in, in the Jewish philosophy of tikkun olam. It's very rooted in Jewish history. And tikkun olam means to heal the world. And it's about healing and everything you just said with the purpose of healing and that is where restorative justice is rooted in 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 the healing and in the conversation and in the i love what you're saying about eye for an eye that's a game changer on that saying and people i don't know where it got twisted right but the idea that we have to punish and somebody should get hurt by because that you know to me i always have this analogy that i i've offered in this case is like you know when you when when people will slap their child's hand and say don't hit it doesn't make sense right you you can't you can't offer the same behavior we have to change it we have to shift the conversation we have to understand that there's a better way to heal and by allowing somebody the opportunity to to share their story and to be heard and to have compassion offered and and yes like what you said about sitting in our circle and um Offering like everybody had a voice and nobody else was allowed to speak. It allowed you to say the littlest thing. I spoke about how my work day was affected, my work life was affected, my relationship was affected. You know how my clients' lives were affected because they knew that if my daughter, she had a different sound, my text, my phone had a different sound for her, and if that sound went, my clients knew that I was going to get up and leave in the middle of a session, right? Like it it ripples, it ripples, and for. for him to sit there and hear this from everybody, right? It's like,
0: it, it's, it, it, it's, it's like every other part of our society, we might value this, but not yet in the justice system. But what's also coming to mind, Barbie, that I'm trying to understand is, it seems like cancel culture is sort of the opposite of this idea. The idea in cancel culture is that somebody did something, and maybe it wasn't good what they did. So let's literally bully them out of society and hopes that if they say enough, if they say, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad enough, maybe they'll redeem themselves. And I I just, something's not adding up there.
1: I really struggle with cancel culture a lot. And I, again, like, same with my own story, being in an extreme moment, I go to extreme moments. And I think of, you know, when people knock down statues, because we found out somebody wasn't a good person. And, we can't forget about it. We need to keep teaching about it. There's lessons in that. We, we rise from where we struggle. You know, I've risen from the struggle that I went through. I'm not the same person anymore. I can't wipe out what happened. It's, it's a piece of, of our history to cancel something. You can reframe how you look at it. Absolutely. You can give a different approach to how you handle it. You can give a different mindset to how you view it but you can't remove it. The world is changing very fast and very quickly. And that so many of the things I believed because I was taught to believe in a society at that time, you know, growing up in the sixties and seventies. And, you know, like this is what should be, this is what we were taught. And I believed so many things that I, because I didn't question, we were taught not to question and, I, that's a lot of my messaging today and when I when I work with the anti anti-aging message but a, a lot of that is you know I can look at what my children experienced today and I can say to them you know if I had known then what I know now I would have offered you this opportunity when you were when you were 10 and 12 and like I'm sorry I it wasn't because I was mean or cruel or a bad mom it's because we didn't know this stuff like it was so you can't wipe out what was, you can't assume that I was a bad person because, you know, my mom wasn't a bad mom because she didn't work. My grandmother wasn't a bad woman because she stayed home and raised what, you know what I mean? Like it's what was, it's what was offered in society. So I won't, I will apologize if I caused harm by something that I didn't, I didn't know. Like I, what if I knew now what I if I knew then what I know now, and I'll say the same for, you know, 20 years from now, I'm going to know a whole bunch more stuff that none of us know today.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. You can't, you can't, I think the key piece is not that you behaved at a time when you didn't know the difference. I think the key piece is how you've evolved. And if you're open to learning and you're open to change and you're open to adapting and you're open to noticing that, you know, you've, Maybe it wasn't great how we did it before, but that's how we knew. Then that's a good thing because you've evolved and you've changed and you've grown and you've adapted. And, you know, you're if you're unwilling to bend and understand that it's different today, that's more problematic, right?
0: It's just the idea that the number one. And again, we're not going to get into, of course, any particular situation or person that has been canceled. But I wonder if it's an attitude. The attitude is someone does something that you didn't like. And you call them names and yell and scream and try to punish them in that way versus you may fully disagree with them and may still think that they should be canceled in some way. But your first instinct is, let me learn more about that. Yes. Let me hear what you have to say.
1: Yeah. And that's restorative, right? that's
0: restorative, yeah.
1: Yes, that's, that's what the the goal of letting each person have a chance to tell their story. The goal is to like, let each person be heard. You don't have to come out agreeing. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but to be heard, be open, you know, maybe you'll learn something new. Maybe, you know, there's so many things that are, that there's being aware, there's awareness being brought to today that again, like when I was growing up, we didn't even know it was a thing. Right. And if I'm, open to the conversation, I could shut my kids down very quickly, but if I'm open to it, that's, then we can see transformation. Then we can see where things are restorative. Then we can, you know, turn things from hurt people, hurt people into healed people, heal people. And we can change the narrative. We can, you know, do better.
0: So Barbie, we've talked a lot about you and your experience with restorative justice. What was your daughter? Tell me about the residue and impact of this experience for your daughter. Hmm. How did the restorative justice process help her life?
1: Absolutely, brought healing in the same way that I, you know that I say it brought healing to me. It brought healing to her. There was stuff inside all of us in that room, um, but for her especially, like there was stuff inside that. I mean, I say it with myself and I'll triple it for her. Like I ha- I let out stuff I didn't even know was still in there, mm-hmm. right? Like she got a chance to get out every piece of toxic energy, every question that came to her mind in the past, th- in those past three years, when it's all out of your body. You can move forward and heal it. Now that's not to say that she's never triggered and she doesn't have moments, but she has gone on to, she's also a coach. She works with women to reclaim their sensuality and sexuality after trauma. She works to empower women to claim their voice, to claim their. Um, she runs groups. she's she does speaking all over the place for restorative justice. She's absolutely, I'll say we we have turned our pain into power and, and taken something very ugly. And, you know, I remember way at the beginning when I I took some time off work and I remember walking back into work and I remember my boss saying to me like, Oh my God, Barbie. And I said to her, then I don't know what it's going to look like, but something's going to come of this for me. Right. Because I thought this kind of thing doesn't happen for no reason. Right. And I know that my daughter would say the same, like, We'll both say that, obviously not grateful for what happened, obviously, but more than grateful for where we've risen because of it. And I think that that kind of healing, restorative justice as a method of healing and justice merging is what allowed her and me to to turn it into something bigger. We knew when we walked out of that circle, it was bigger than us. You know, and I, and I think it's, if we can spread that message and let people know that there's a better way and it's actually, it's where transformation and healing meet, you know?
0: And what about the, the male, the person, mm. um, do you um, know anything about his experience after?
1: I don't know anything about experience after there's a lot of non-disclosure here. So there's only so much I can say, but I will tell you that, um, the way that the system was set up, my daughter had, the whole thing was within her control, which I love because our punitive system is never that way. Had we walked out of that circle and she had said, you know what, this didn't work for me. I want to go to trial. We would have gone to trial. So So something
0: happened enough to get oh to more than enough All and of you, actually more than enough
1: i'll say that when we walked out of there he rose he looked at her and he said with his hand on his heart with your permission so he's clearly learned consent he said with your permission i would like to shake the hand of you and your mother and your sister so we went from walking in that room i walked in that room thinking i was going to pass out or be sick or something and I walked out shaking his hand and saying to him, I, I hope you find healing. I hope you find peace more, even more than you have today. And I hope you do something with this.
0: Because, you know, whatever the method of what needs to be the consequence or the, whatever the person needs to, to do, the main reason for all of that is the hopes that they will not do this again. And not only will they not do it again, but they will be so far away from that. And so
1: he like. did say that he would like to one day, and I don't know if I would love to know if he did. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, Marley always jokes that maybe one day, the two of them will sit on a stage together and tell <laughs> the story to her. <laughs> a little soon, maybe, I don't know, but, yeah. he, but he did say that he would like to do something with it. Like maybe, maybe he's, I hope speaking to, you know, maybe high school boys or university kids. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, maybe he's, I think that he will do something with this because he we all walked out of there different that day.
0: And one of the main other parts of this, other than the importance of forgiveness, you know, the, the cultures that, uh, you know, we, we hear about revenge and revenge is just an endless cycle. It goes, here, you did this, you do this, then you do this. And then it's so hard to go back all the way to the beginning that it's just a perpetual cycle of, of, of suffering. Um, And I think that's what the power of forgiveness is. The power of forgiveness is not to forget or to excuse or to justify it. Every little thing that happened, but it's to say that there has to be an end to back and forth chaos. And there has to be a sense of I'm going to do something different than what I did before, and I'm here to either be an advocate to be to make something better, whatever it is, there's a real sense of forgiveness that permeates the space. And from a mental health standpoint, not only is forgiveness so important, but a lot of people, perhaps in your daughter's situation and yours, are ruminating over and over again, playing out conversations you'd want to have, things you want to say or things you could do or get out. And I think the, one of the most powerful parts of the restorative justice process is that you take all that ruminative energy that like I need to like replay and just get everything out and you put it into the real concrete world and speak it out to the real people. In the moment?
1: Yeah, I think for me, the forgiveness piece, and in my one on one coaching, when I work with people, I do a lot of um, generational wound healing and like healing the mother wound kind of thing. And for me, forgiveness is very much about compassion to a person's story, understanding that every person has a story, understanding that from generation to generation, wounds have been passed along, you know, and all of us are impacted by those wounds. If we're grandchildren of a Holocaust survivor, we are handed wounds that we don't even realize we're handed, right? And I think that bringing in understanding that every person on the planet has a story, And if we can find out the story and hold compassion to that story, we're in a better place to be able to offer understanding, which brings forgiveness. And again, that doesn't mean forgiving an action, but it means forgiving a human.
0: It's a big topic. And since it was the first case, I hope that this option can be integrated into, Mm -hmm. and not in a binary sense, it could be an either and or altogether, just people should know that the restorative justice exists. And then on a personal level, Barbie, Mm. tell us how we can, and this last question for today is how can we integrate the meta ideas of restorative justice into our relationships with the people that we love?
1: Yeah, beautiful. Um, I think a lot of it is to learn to sort of pause in a moment and to understand that it's, you know, we're very reactive. I think the first step I would say is to like pause for a second and just, and, and ask yourself if, if the same repeated pattern, let's look at the repeated patterns. Let's start to question things that we've always just accepted as, as shoulds, you know, it should go this way. It should go that way. And, and start to question if like what we've always known to be true does it make sense? Is it working? And what's a better way? Let's start bringing in conversations. Let's stop shaming and blaming and judging and give space for conversation. Um, I, I think the restorative approach of having that talking piece where only one person's talking at a time is a is a beautiful thing to bring into any um like family or, or partnership or friend, whatever there's a, wherever there's a moment and give each person a chance to share a story and bring in compassion and, and space for hearing each other and fully understanding each other and then solving. It's not about going back and deciding, you know, who deserves what or like, let's let's move forward. How can we do better? What did we do that maybe didn't work? what can we bring in that would make it work? How can we do better? And let's, let's move forward and create change instead of, you know, just punishing a moment and then leaving it stale. And then it comes out and we all move on, but nobody's, nobody's learned anything. Nobody's gained anything. Nobody's transformed in any kind of way. And I think let's just, well, I would say like take a collective deep breath for a second, right. And let's just rethink it. Let's just bring in you know, open the door a little bit to possibility that there is another way. And I think that our story, because it's in such an extreme situation, is a perfect embodied example of how it it can work in a big moment. It can certainly work in a smaller moment.
0: Yeah, the, the extraction that I'm hearing is there could be, you could be at the time thinking that somebody did wrong to you or they think that you did wrong to them either way both people get to speak yeah uninterrupted and share their perspective how it made them feel what happened why what bothered them about it both get to speak both get to hear and then come towards a resolution together that integrates hearing and listening as a part of it compassion as a part of it and that doesn't mean that we just listen and then we move and do the same things again hopefully we listen in a way that we make ourselves better than we were the the next time. But that first reaction to blame and fight and yell and scream and dismiss and say bad, bad, bad possibly could be replaced with, this is what really bothered me that you just did. And can you tell me why you did that? What happened? What happened to you? talk you to me to you,
1: and here's how it impacted me and here's how it impacted me yeah so now you both have a better understanding and you both feel heard and like i said before as soon as you feel heard healing begins it calms the whole thing down and now we can find resolve and we can make change and we can do better
0: that's a good, a good way, way to end up, this right yes. pardon me what
1: from a place of love.
0: That's a good way to end this conversation, Barbie, thank you so much for sharing with us about restorative justice thank and so. all of what that means and could mean, not just for you, your daughter, the perpetrator in this in this whole issue, crime, however we, we're gonna talk about it. Every Everybody, uh, thank you for sharing and telling us a little bit of the inside story there yeah. and in the hopes that maybe this restorative justice can can have ripple effects both in the criminal system, justice system and also in our personal lives. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And of course, a disclaimer. This podcast and all of our mental health learning and educational content is not therapy and is not a replacement for therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. Go to wwwresolvewith with two v's.ca to get the support you need. And that's all for now. We hope this was helpful in some small way. If you like our content, please subscribe and give us a five star review wherever you are listening. Make sure to keep updated with all of our content on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And of course, come check us out at www.resolve, that's resolve with two V's.ca to learn more about how our services can support your needs. Until next time, take care. Theme song for this podcast is done by the band Mokuse no Maguro in their song Midnight Empty Street.